What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And I can barely say former NFL defensive back. But this guy that's joining me to, joining me today, Will Blackman, you can really see, say former NFL defensive back. Man, they got highlights of you uh, giving up catches to Odell Beckham, like Randall. Oh, I mean, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I ain't going to let you just throw that in it. You know, pause. <laughs> I'm just let you just, you know. <laughs> No, but on a serious note, man, shout out to my guy, Will Blackman. Man, he's been real cool uh, with me over the years and played 12 years in the NFL, played for the back then Washington Redskins, played with the Green Bay Packers, played with the New York Giants, won the Super Bowl with the Giants. Okay, got all the helmets behind them. Played with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You see all the game calls. Uh, amazing punt return, man. All kind of great stuff. And, um, and a, a lot of great stuff. So I wanted to get some insight, man. We got Cam Newton. He has come yeah. out today. And has kind of, I don't even want to say called, I, I threw out this catchy name. Cam Newton calls out Brock Purdy, but I don't think he was calling out Brock Purdy. Matter of fact, he didn't even really say Purdy. He said like Purdy. I don't even know how he said his name. But we know he, he was talking about. He said that these quarterbacks are game managers. Brock, right. golf. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys hear it from the horse's mouth directly from Cam Newton. So here we go. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Brack Parody, like, but Brock, let's they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the game. And if we were to put that in its own right as game managers, Brock, Parody, Tua Tonga Valoa, Jared Goff, and really Dak Prescott. Mm. These are game managers. They're, they're not difference makers. And when you say game manager, I'm not asking you to go out and win the game. I'm just asking you not to lose. Not to lose the game. That's, listen, motherfucker, I don't give a damn what you do. You don't have to score every time. You just don't have to throw a pick every time either. If we're going to really call a spade a spade, a game manager is different than a game changer. All right, so Will, he, he just said a handful, I, or a mouthful. I want to get your thoughts on what do you think just the difference between a game manager and a game changer? Yeah. Well, I mean like, right. The game manager is someone like, okay, the team around you is, is built for success and basically like, just don't fuck it up. You know what I'm saying? Like just <laughs> the, 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 it's already set versus where you have, you know, a player at quarterback that, Okay, like his style of play elevates everyone else around him. And his style of play is like is designed to take over a game. You know, it's the type of quarterback where you're like, okay, you know, let's not let him get hot because once he's once he's in the zone, like he's a problem. So um when I when I hear that, when I heard the uh the snippet, I remove I remove myself from you know the injured cam, you know, the Cam was not in the league right now. Cam with his hot takes. Like, I took all that. Because initially, when you hear Cam speak, everyone is like, oh, here he goes again. You know, everyone thinks he's salty. But I'm like, I played against 2015 Cam. Like, he was the MVP that year. And oh, real quick. Because that was my question. I, I immediately text you. And I'm like, did you ever play against Cam Newton? Yeah. I played against like 2015 Cam. And my thing is, like, he is a former MVP, and clearly, if you are an MVP of the NFL, not just MVP, but even the Heisman, 
and he won the MVP. Not many have done that. You know, I'm like, despite whatever y'all feel about Cam, he has every right to talk about it. Whether you you can totally disagree with everything he just said, he does have the right to say that because he was once in that position and you know he he was again he was the mvp and it's interesting because this is a funny story right so i remember um so when i went to washington in 2015 uh i moved all over the place like some games i played corner some games i played safety some games i played nickel dime like i played everywhere in the secondary so like one week i'm playing obj next week i got des and then this week playing carolina i think i believe no i was i still was to that corner the next year Excuse me, I was at safety and I had to cover Greg Olson most of the time. And I remember watching film, watch with my wife, and I'm like, man, Cam's killing this shit. But I'm watching the film, I'm like, bro, ain't no way Cam's about to light us up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, like I'm, for, I'm watching, like, it, it seems so, um, like, basic. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, okay, I know... I know when I'm getting ready for Tom, I'm getting ready for Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? I understand, um, you know, he has Gronk, he got Elman, he got Welker, he has uh, Emmanuel, he has all these guys all over the place. But it's Brady who, like, you're trying to cut the head off the snake. Because once Brady's out, it's like, okay, now they're in disarray. Same thing. When we go in, we play Green Bay, we played Green Bay that season, it was Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, Okay, like we got to we got to get to the quarterback. We got to get to Aaron and get him off the spot, and hopefully, you know, he throws a bad ball because he's on the money. But when I was watching Cam, I was like, I was like, there. I'm watching. There's nothing that Cam was doing that I was like we're concerned about. Like we should be just fine. So we get to the game, bro. He hit us with five TDs, bro. Passing. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he hit us on five TD, and it's and it was so funny playing against Cam his MVP season because honestly he was he was in a zone. He he's like he's like no one can fuck with me, bro. Like like nobody. I remember one of our um one of our linemen almost had a sack on him. He was like, "Ooh, I was close." He was like, "To do what?" <laughs> like, Cam was, <laughs> hey, Cam looked at him. He was like, "Close to do what?" He was like, "Bro, you ain't gonna do nothing," you know. Like he was talking smack to all of our dudes. Uh, he just, he just, he knew where to go. And him and North Turner, they were just connected. So when we looked at that team, sure, they had punches, they had Greg, you know, they had all the running backs, they had all these guys. Um, I think, I think they even had Jericho Crossery there too. I think he was there. But I mean, honestly, it was Cam, man. Like he was, it was all him when it came to the office. Now, I will say too. Right, the team was especially on defense was built for success, but Cam made the plays on offense. I mean, his numbers were absolutely outrageous that year, which is why he won MVP. So I understand to that point, but you know that's that's what, <laughs> and then he came back the next year. He came to Washington. He hit us for three hundred again, you know, and it was like, damn, dude, like okay, on film you're like, man, it, it is not like okay, Aaron Rodgers again. I, I bring him up because I he, I played with him and Favre where he's just lighting you up. It's crazy passes, blah, blah, blah. But Cam was early. He got to his things. And I believe, I think North took a lot of what he did at Auburn and did that in Carolina. I got to triple check that, but which is a smart thing to do because he was good at it. So, right. yeah. So would you consider Cam Newton a, because he talked about game manager and game changer. 
would you consider him a game changer? And if so, was that a positive thing for that Carolina team? Yeah, it was huge because Cam had the ability to do everything. Um, he was able to run the football just as effectively as a running back. He was able to throw the football as much as people, like I said, myself included, watching on film. I'm like, there ain't no way this dude's lighting us up in the passing game. And he comes out and his five TDs and he's talking shit to everybody. And it's like, damn, like this man cannot be stopped right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and then you try to tackle him. He's built like Ben Wallace. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you can't, you ain't tackling him either. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the... I, I was a believer when you see it on when you see it on the field. So so when you listen to his comments and he's talking about game managers versus game changers, and he throws in Brock Purdy, and obviously, I mean, that sent the 49ers uh fan base into a tailspin. They they're kind of going crazy right now on Twitter, they're going crazy on Instagram. And my thing was like, dang, like we can't respect his opinion at all. Is it because we don't like the message or the messenger? And it almost sounded like they didn't like either one. They're saying that he's salty. I even saw a comment in here in the chat right now right. where somebody was like, oh, he's salty, which I don't think he's salty. Like most players I know, and I think this is the part, like people well, are. You know what, it goes back to where he's like, they ain't 32 quarterbacks better than me. Gotcha. Okay. He probably goes back to that comment. So that's so why it would have, okay. that's what it would come across as salty when he's been saying that the past two years ain't thirty two quarterbacks whatever thirty one better than me, you know. Gotcha. All right. So he he threw in Brock Purdy in that mix and said, "Yeah, game manager." All right. I, what are your thoughts on game? Because just talked about preparing for you know quarterbacks, and I wanted to ask right. you, uh, you know, or just teams in general. You got the 49ers this Sunday. You know, you're right. ready. You're in the film room. At what point do you get to Brock Purdy in the sense of your preparation? Is Brock, do you start with Brock? Do you start with Kyle Shanahan? Do you start with uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel? Like, where does it start, like, your focal point on who you have to stop in the 49ers offense? Right. And quickly, going back to Cam's MVP year, I mean, he was responsible for 45 touchdowns that year. 35 passing and 10 rushing. Right. Like I said, he total game changer. But when you when you look at the 49ers, of course he can say Brock's a game manager. He's an easy target. You know, still his story, you know, undrafted. I mean, excuse me, last last pick of the draft. Um, and and people are still getting used to him, you know. But I, I look at the 49ers in totality in the last, what, four years, they went to three NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. So this team as a whole is is built for success. You know, they obviously Kyle and what he does um, schematically. And then, I mean, you have a bunch of first team all pros on offense who are still in the absolute prime of their career. You know, you have arguably the greatest left tackle in the past, like 15, 20 years in Trent, um, Trent Williams. And then obviously all pro Debo. You got all pro kiddo. You got all pro CMC. And so when you look at 49ers, obviously you look at, okay, what does Kyle like to do? Um, and then you have the red, you know, the red dot guys. You look at, okay, what does Debo like to do? What does he like to line up? What does kiddo like to do? What does George? And obviously Ayuk, he's, he's, a, he's been a huge playmaker for them too. What does CMC like to do their running scheme? So you look at it as a whole. And then you try to find out, okay, yes, you respect Brock Purdy's playing awesome, but then you look at what does he have an issue with? You know, it reminds me of when when Cap was a quarterback um, and they're a really good team. And it was like, OK, bro, don't play man. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Do not play there because your cat would kill you. Okay. One, he will find the guy who's open, or two, if if all y'all backs were turned, he was taken off. Um, so let's try to throw zone and try to like mix it up a little bit, you know, if you have the roster to try to throw it off. So you just try to find what Brock Purdy likes and try to take it away. And for him, early in the season, what I see with Brock, even last year, he likes to attack the seams. Like he, he's, his timing is great. Um, and uh, in terms of like where he likes to go, but then towards later after, after he had that uh, three game losing streak, I noticed like, okay, this dude, he, he, he did something differently in terms of like elevating this play. Cause now he's hitting the, the 15 yard comebacks. He's hitting the 12 yard out routes. He's hitting like all these other, other routes where yes, I can understand the whole, the game manager part because of how the team is. But I think that allows Brock to just, I guess, accept that. But in the lab, he's still improving as a player. And that's also mentally, he's getting very, very confident in terms of how it is, you know? So I get it in terms of that. But when you look at my point, answer your question, when you look at the Niners, you're, you're worried about the other guys before you get to Brock. Like if, if I'm game planning against 49ers. And I feel like, I mean, Ain't a slight is as you should. I mean, look, look who's around. Like these, these are all. Each guy has an argument to be the best player in their position. You know what I'm saying? Um, in terms of the three I mentioned with Kiddo, CMC, and, and uh, Debo. Gotcha. And I think that's I know, where, I, said, I know I said a lot right there. <laughs> well, well, you you did, but I I, I got you. I'm with you right there. Um, ultimately, the 49ers are a well-oiled machine, and it's not Brock's fault that he doesn't have to go above and beyond to be. No, it's a uh, hell of a situation for a team. Yeah, it's a great situation. It was, you know, it's when I was in Washington with um, McVeigh, who is from Shanahan. It was a, you know, we had Kirk Cousins, who, you know, he he is, and he's still like this. Well, he'll give you four thousand yards. He'll give you twenty-five TDs. To give you 10 picks and I'll take that every day of the week in terms of efficiency, you know, but we also had, you know, DJack, you know, we had Pierre Garçon, we had Jameson Crowder, we had a nasty O-line with Bill Callahan, who I think is the best O-line coach I ever seen. Um, and, and we were just boom, lights out. And he had a playmakers around him where he could make the plays. And so, but I think when teams came to us, they were like, hey, we got to try to stop these guys around him and, and try to make Kirk uncomfortable, you know? So, yeah, I understand that. But I, I think for me, like there were only, there were very few quarterbacks where we go into the game and we were like, okay, like I'm, I'm looking at what this quarterback, like I said, remember playing against Brady in New England, same year, 15, we played Brady or even a Super Bowl when I was on the Giants. Brady, Brady, Brady. If we can hit any time that every time the Giants beat Brady in the Super Bowl, both times they hit him. They got after him and they hit him. They hit him and hit him and hit him. Um, and then that's the same thing. You know, you go to you play against Aaron Rodgers and it's like you, you just got to be on it, bro. Because if 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 you're a little bit open, I remember that playoff game. Aaron and James Jones killed me because what happens is what they're taught in Green Bay. They're taught like, okay, because James Jones is not fast at all. I'm talking about right. I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for James to get to his route, and then I'm all over it. But they're taught if they're not open now, go. 
like go. So I'm all over like a comeback. And all of a sudden, James, boom, took off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Aaron hit him, boom. And he's so in tune with everybody around the same thing. You look at like Peyton Manning. Um, he's another one where it's his offense. He gets to Peyton Manning gets to the line. There's no motion. Nobody motions. No one shifts. And he gets there. And we knew with Peyton Man, if he's under center, it's usually run. If he's in a gun, it's in a pass. And he's looking around like that's what he's telling guys what to do. He has a little Omaha thing where he's checking opposite. I remember we were playing, we were playing Denver um, when I was in Jacksonville, and he's going around like telling everybody what to do. And he looks at uh, rest in peace, Demarius Thomas. He was like, "Yo, DT," he said, "You got a nine route. You got a nine. I said, "This motherfucker really just tell him right in front of me that he's running a nine route." I'm like, "You gotta be a bluff." I said, "You gotta be a bluff. Ain't no way." And then, sure enough, he ran a nine route and he caught it. <laughs> Cause I didn't believe it. I'm like, man, they mess with me, bro. Ain't no way. You know? Yeah. Who? And, who? And, well, I was gonna ask you, who was the toughest quarterback for you to game plan for? Oh, it was it was Aaron. Yeah, it was Aaron Rodgers um, for sure. Just because he can put the football wherever he wants, anywhere. I mean, there is not a spot on the field that's off limits, it, off the platform. Um, he had a, he has a weird uh, three step game. Like usually it's one two three. He has one where he backpedals and open. If you look at Dallas, Dak has the same three step game where he's backpedaling and opens up because it's the same it's the same deal. Um, but yeah, he was he was super difficult because you're like man, I I really need to strap these dudes. That's why the, I mean the best defense was what the Bears did. They played cover two, you know, even though Aaron owns the Bears. But that was the situation where you know. He would he would try to get greedy and fit the football somewhere, but yeah, because I saw him I saw him in practice. My my first year, my rookie year, we went against Favre with the ones and the twos was Aaron. So it was live action. No, it was live action all day long. We go into a lot of games where the starter of the opposing team wasn't better than our backup. Right. So it was. So y'all knew I knew all along. Like eventually, like Aaron Rodgers, he's gonna be the guy. Because, I mean, yeah, sat for a while. Yeah. Even when we went through that, I was there with the whole thing where Brock, where Brett didn't want to retire and this, that, and the third. I'm like, whoever we got, we're going to be straight because both these dudes are nice, you know. So, But, yeah, the, the game manager thing is you, you, you look at it in terms of, okay, are we trying to stop the scheme? Are we trying to stop the – the weapons outside or is it truly the quarterback and in rare situations it's it's really going to be about the qb and i heard him say what the golf thing now with, with Jared goff i can see it being true when he was in la um with mcveigh because mcveigh he is it's him you know you're trying to stop Sean mcveigh and whatever he's trying to do schematically and it's all him but golf in detroit that's a different dude I don't know what they talking about. That's a golf in, in Detroit is a complete different quarterback. It's he's almost like he, he's yeah, making it's other guys. Like you know, you talked about kind of elevating the guys around you, and, and you look at what golf is doing, and you know now people are like, "Hey, man, Josh Reynolds, he's a good receiver." It's like, no, I was talking no, about Reynolds. No, I'm saying like it's for golf. I think he needed that though. He needed to go somewhere else and get pissed off, and then like, okay. He needed a coach like Campbell. He needed, you know, GM who was with him um, in L.A. who actually traded for him because he knew him. 
And then he has guys around him that they include himself. That team is full of guys who have something to prove, you know? And so I think for him, like, yeah, sure. You can say in, in LA he was, cause he was, he was, I think it was the, um, the Bears, when they went to the Super Bowl in, was it 17 they lost to the Patriots? Yeah, 17. They played the Bears that year, that that year, and the Bears blitzed the shit out of him. And they were like, oh, like he's, it was almost like Bo Callahan, like he was spooked, you know, like watch out. So when the Patriots played them in the Super Bowl, the Patriots blitzed them. Same deal. And there was one where they went all out blitz. He just threw it up to Stephon Gilmore. I think it was cover zero, and he ended up picking it off. Um, but I think, yeah. I think golf is a completely different dude now. Uh, so real quick, so we can, um, kind of wrap this up. I know you gotta get out of here soon. Appreciate you coming on. And if you guys just are tuning nah, in, got, good, uh, 12 year NFL vet, uh, Will Blackman with me. Obviously you guys hear a lot of great insight on, you know, some of his stories, uh, uh around his league and his, and his time. Uh, there have been, some, it, bro. That's all I do. there have been a lot of comparisons uh, with Brock Purdy, you know, on certain quarterbacks around the league. And right. one that has been coming up lately has been Drew Brees. All right. And they call him Mobile Mobile Brees. That's what they're calling him right now. Uh, did you ever play against Drew Brees? If so, what were kind of your thoughts on what it was like playing against him? And then on the second part of that, do you see any comparisons between Brock Purdy, the way he plays, and Drew Brees? Um, I mean, I did play against Drew Brees a couple of times and uh, yeah, with him, man, by, by far, and I talked about Aaron about his accuracy, but with Drew Brees, I mean, the, the timing, the precision, like all these little things. I, th I remember I was, a who was a tight end? I think it was like Anthony Fasano or somebody like that. I think he, I think he played for Saints, but I was literally on his back, like defending him. I was holding and everything. And Drew Brees threw it to like his hit below his kneecap where only he can get the football. <laughs> um, oh, it was, it was crazy because you didn't really, again, when we played the saints, it wasn't so much of like, all right, we need to stop the run, even though they, they were effective in, in some ways, but it was drew. I mean, slinging that thing for, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling up his stats now. I mean, he, it's crazy. He has one, two, three, four 5,000 plus yard seasons. Like it's dude, his, his career. I mean, obviously look, he has so many 70% where he finished his career is 67%, like absolutely insane when it came to like the accuracy and what he did. And because it, it was high volume. I mean, all those seasons too, he led the league in attempts, um, you know, averaging almost, almost 700 a season. So he, they were throwing the football. So right. we were we were trying to get him, you know. We were like, "Look, this is the dude. We gotta if we play man, we gotta be precise, you know. Let's let's hope that we play him outdoors because I guess he didn't do as well outside. But if we go to that dome with that energy, what they're doing, and even him, what what especially with what happened with like Katrina and all that stuff, like he was the main staple that helped elevate that whole city to then boom, they go and get a Super Bowl." I mean, he didn't just elevate the players; he elevated the city. And then, obviously, him in conjunction with Sean Payton like was a big deal because not, you know, outside of like obviously I know who I played in terms of receivers like Marcus Colston, um, you like other guys like that. And so you you honestly you can't really name like many guys that he was catching if you're just like, like average football fan, you know. 
Um, but you just think about Drew Brees as like the dude. Do you see any comparison between Brees and Brock? Or is that just height, not the biggest of guys? Uh, you know, yeah, I think still, is it that? Yeah, I think if you I think if you look at it in terms of like the height and and maybe the the demeanor but drew was very like he was he was high energy in terms of like like hyper focus like that's just how he was um everything he did was to make sure he was on time i i i compared drew Brees in terms of like how hyper focused how like peyton manning was like everything was like about efficiency doing this doing that like just being sharp and being on it uh in terms of like like purdy you know i think and this is not a, a bad comparison at all because he was a good quarterback. I mean, I look at I look at Romo, you know, mm. in terms of and just in terms of his demeanor, his style, just real laid back, real chill, and just and just having fun, you know. Now, Purdy is in a is in a is in a better situation because he has a guy who understands what it's like to get to the championship level in terms of Kyle Shanahan. So but all those, all those things, all those things come into play and matter. You know, Dak's playing well, and people always. It's funny how people take away like Mike McCarthy's credentials. Like the dude is a championship winning coach. He's an offensive minded championship. His, I think he started in. I think he was in Kansas City with Marty Schottenheimer. He was like the quality control coach when Joe Montana got traded. Like he was there with that. You know, and he goes to the Niners. Like, he did all these things. Now, obviously, he's also known for taking uh, Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. But eventually, right. he got, <laughs> he got Aaron Rodgers. But still, what, he, what he's doing, like, and I, and I can I can speak not only because I was with Mike in Green Bay, but I was with Dallas this entire training camp on how him, how he, Dak, and, Sh and uh, Shadi were in the lab, like, really really putting together a plan and the same thing you look at guys like how sean Payton is helping out with russ is doing yeah russ is not throwing gaudy numbers but russ is very very efficient and not turning the ball over and that's the one thing that he's helped with so to have a coordinator in conjunction with a quarterback who is capable and ready and ready to do things properly like it's a it's a benefit it's the same thing of like if you're a receiver and if you ain't gonna do like who can get you the ball like it's gonna be tough it's going to be tough unless you're someone like, you know, Larry Fitzgerald or, or D-Hop where it don't matter who's throwing you the ball. Like, you're going to go get it. Because I remember me in college when they asked me to move the receiver, I was like, absolutely not. You know, and I gave it a try. And then having Matt Ryan as my quarterback, like, he made life easy. I know the ball was going to be on the money. You know, I can only imagine how many quarterbacks would not – how many receivers would not do well if they didn't have a quarterback, you know. And then, too, to add one thing about the – especially about Brock Purdy is just his development alone. The dude started all four years in college, like right. start, like he, he has miles and was efficient all four years in college. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't, I, I look at like, he wasn't a dude that came in here, like played his senior year and I was like, okay, he's struggling to make a team. And yeah, let's, let's draft him like uh last pick and bring him in. Like the dude has a lot of body of work in college in a conference where they threw the damn ball every damn play, you know? So I, I also look at that in consideration, like, okay, 
Like, let's look at that stuff. Let's always look at production prior. And he has that. And so I, you know, sure. We can say game man, game manager playing quarterback in NFL is hard as fuck. <laughs> so, right. I don't care what you, I don't care what you say. Like it's hard, you know, but again, I look at that team and they have been built as a championship caliber team the past four years. Um, and they're just ready to rock. And, and, and it's hard to say, you know, it's the team because the argument could be he got hurt in the playoffs and they didn't have a quarterback, you know? And <laughs> so, you know, it's, I like Brian Purdy, man. I, he's in, he's in the MVP conversation because he is playing well. Um, I think, I think he deserves to be in that conversation based on what he's doing because he is making the plays. And again, if you just, if you just turn on, I advise everyone just turn on the tape. He's, he's making throws that are like, okay, like this dude, he's comfortable in figuring it out. It's not just like, let me turn around. Well, not, he's not just doing quick game, three step, you know, let me try to be efficient, get the ball to the playmakers. It's these little, all the routes in the middle of the field. He's pushing the ball. Like he's pushing the ball to all areas of the field. Like, I mean, we watched, we watched a lot of Alex Smith and nothing against Alex Smith. He's a legend for, you know, being able to come back from that gruesome injury, but especially with the 49ers, like there was a lot of, let me get the ball in my hands real quick. Like here, Frank Gore, here's a dump off where, you know, he did what he yeah, was coming like, when we played When we played them in the energy championship game, if he hit two bombs to Vernon Davis, that's the only reason they were in the game. He hit two bombs to Vernon Davis, but then Eli was cooking. <laughs> he was cooking. It was boom, boom. I mean, he got, I think he got hit like 20 times that game. And he, I think he had 13, Victor Cruz had like 13 catches and Eli was getting blasted and just cooking left and right, left and right. Um, and especially some of these throws that Purdy has to George Kittle are, are crazy, you know? So it's, again, I think it's still early. And I think eventually, you know, probably towards the postseason, Brock will come through like fully, but also he has another next year, you know, he could be that guy where he's like, shoot, like I got this, you know, it's, shit, Matt Ryan did it with him, with Kyle Shanahan when he won MVP that year, same offense. So we have a couple of questions right here in the chat. Shout out to my guy, Gammon. And um, I guess we'll, we'll start off with the easy ones, then kind of get to a little bit tougher one. All right. So the first one is uh, what are your Jersey numbers importance so i know you wore several numbers uh 27 with the uh uh green bay packers yeah. were those numbers that were just given to you and you're like okay i'm just gonna wear it you rock the hell out that uh 41 in washington but uh i guess maybe you can even go back to college boston college where you're wearing number one i believe you had the nasty yeah. revolution helmet and face mask but numbers were big because like I grew up a big football fan. So my favorite player of all time was Barry Sanders. So, you know, I tried to get 20 when I could, but usually everyone took that number, but I like 20, I got 27 when I was about 11 years old. Cause my birthday is October 27. And I was also a big Eddie George fan at the time. So I got Eddie George, I got 27. I just kept that number in pop Warner. I wore that number in high school. And then when I got to college at the time, like 
number one was like the dude. If you, if you can get number one, like you're the guy. And I was our top recruit that year. So number one was big for me. And then this is funny. When I went to Green Bay, when I got drafted by Green Bay, they said, what number you want? They're like, you can get 21, 24, 27. I was like, damn, that's the pick of the litter right there. I was like, those three numbers? And, <laughs> and we, we just signed Charles Woodson. And I'm like, damn, if I get 24, he might try to punk me for 24. So I'm not even going to take 24. I was like, you know what? Let me just get my let me get my high school number, 27. So I get 27. I get to my locker. I look next to me. He got 21. 21, <laughs> I like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I could have got 24 because I thought that number was dope. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's a big it's a big deal. You know, I when I went to New York, I had I go I signed late, so I had nothing. I had a 31 year and 36. I look heavy. And then when I signed on Washington, the whole secondary was like full of swag. So like I knew it was nothing. And every number on, on the Washington commanders is retired. They retired everything. So 41 is what they had. Um yeah, so yep. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. So next question. I had me on mute because my daughter was screaming from upstairs. All right, here we go. Next question from Gammon. He says, What are your thoughts on the current evolution of football helmets from when you play compared to what you see today? Yeah, so the the hard thing is and you and I wore the same helmet, like we both were more of a, a shut. Yeah, the, the shut with Eric, the Dion, the bar, whatever Dion. you want to call it, Dickerson, whatever you want to call it. Um, my thing is at the end of the day, I don't care what helmet you got on. You get hit hard enough, you're going to get a concussion. And because what happens <laughs> is when you get hit, the brain, the brain shakes. It shakes. And yeah. my whole thing is, like, these helmets are getting bigger, which is not – you're going to be more prone to have more head-to-head -head hit, hit, uh, hits. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. – I don't know, man. It, I just remember growing up, like, teaching tackling at the grassroots youth level was – massive now guys they did they do the heads up online program and they just get certified through this online thing you just kind of get the questions right but we weren't allowed to actually like do anything until we were properly taught how to tackle keep your head out of it you know drive for five hit the sled i, can't, I don't remember last time i seen a pop warning kid hit the sled like the sled was everything for us and that taught us yeah. how to tackle so i always knew how to tackle as a kid and even like my father, the first thing he taught me to do was like how to protect myself. He taught me how to get hit before he taught me how to how to hit. Um, I didn't have like I never had a major concussion until my last year in the league. I got smoked. Actually, I got I I hit Larry Fitzgerald. I made the perfect tackle on Larry Fitzgerald. He just ducked his head, and I think he, I got hit right here when he ducked his head, and I was out cold. But other than that, I never really had like a major concussion because I just knew how to tackle properly. You know now. I was on defense, so maybe it's a little different when it comes to that. I know it is. I mean, it's so frustrating for me when I'm watching football and I see a guy like, you know, you just talked about Larry Fitzgerald kind of duck his head. And when I'm watching a, a defensive back or whatever, kind of, he has to commit. First of all, this stuff happens at warped speed. Right. I don't even think people realize how fast it's happening, especially at the NFL level, because timing and precision is like, so great at that level like college you might have a little bit more time to kind of prepare for something but nfl everything is really kind of bang bang until you're like maybe a super veteran like will was and the game might slow down a little bit more for you all right but uh yes yeah, so i was early I, I know how to get there early to your point yeah right so the tough thing is a guy you might be going in to hit a guy and you commit kind of to this target area and then if he 
drops his head right. or drops his body or goes down. And then all of a sudden his midsection or what you were aiming for was his midsection. Now all of a sudden it's a helmet. It's like, well, you get, you're getting flagged and thrown out for that now. And I think that's kind of ridiculous. No, I think it's, it's, it's like, what's the intent? Like you could you could see when the intent intent is to hurt someone as opposed to I'm just trying to get this guy down or I'm trying to just go in and for a hit, but not like take his head. Yeah, off. no, like, it's, it's hard. Ass, but there it's funny because their their excuse is like, well, here's the rule. So now you gotta be more you gotta be athletic enough to adjust, you know. So now, you know, guys are taking out knees and my whole thing, I was like, man, give me a concussion before you hit my knees, bro. Like, don't, don't hit me in my knees. No, straight up. Don't hit me in my – at least if I get my bar wrong, you know, sure, I know the worst can happen. But you play football, you're going to get your bar wrong a lot. Once you hit my knees – once I did tear my ACL. Once I tore my ACL, I was like, man, I don't think I'm ever going to be the same player ever again when I tore my ACL. Um, now, fortunately, I was able to – come back it took longer than i thought but when i did that man i was i was devastated but it is like you said it is very very difficult when you see a guy and and actually happened to me i think we were playing seattle and i saw i think luke wilson the tight end he was running he saw me i went right at you know the numbers that's the strike zone he ducked his head well i got hit with a standing eight count you know <laughs> i remember i took a knee I took a knee and I looked over. I was on the opposite sideline. I looked over to our sideline and the yard line went like this. I was like, man, come get me. <laughs> I, I ain't about to be stumbling on national television or wobbling like I'm doing a, a sobriety test. I'm like, man, y'all come get me, man. All right, here we go. Gamma has another question for you. All right, he says, which current player has the most drip or the best drip? On the field or off the field? I mean, for, for all in all, fashion is really big in sports right now. So you can go on and off the field. Listen, until the day he retires, it's always going to be OBJ. <laughs> until, he dresses like, on the field like he does when he's at the club. He dresses the same. People don't realize Odell, the small shorts, that started with Odell. No doubt. Like the, the short shorts, he's definitely a trendsetter. Uh, you know, I watch yeah, what he short, does. I like the short shorts with the leg tats. That's OBJ. Yeah. <laughs> now I do watch. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of 49ers and Debo Samuel. He he. I don't know who his stylist is, and a lot of these players have stylists, right? Correct me if I'm. Yeah. Wrong. Uh, usually, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, a lot of these guys have stylists. I don't know who his stylist is, but Debo be coming with it though. I'm like, okay, he he. You he, know he. he, he no, Debo is always fresh. It's just hard because you know he's swole. So it's, it's you know I know how you feel. Uh, like, it, okay. reminds, no, it reminds me of when I was playing and like you know the linemen be trying to squeeze into these ball man jeans. It's like, hey man, like just go get some. <laughs> hey, just go get some true religion, man. It's all good, bro. Like go. Luckily, closer to getting back over tag now. So uh you gotta wear eight hundred. You gotta you don't gotta sag eight hundred dollars of jeans, man. Just go ahead and uh do your thing, bro. But that's funny. All right, here we go. And last question uh from Gammon here. He says, What is the difference between covering a wide receiver when a QB has uh dang he he said what he meant, right? Oh, pinpoint accuracy versus one with uh position area accuracy. Okay, essentially what he's saying is what's the difference between uh 
Cam playing against Cam Newton as opposed to playing against Drew Brees, like from a defensive perspective. And different, they got different, like Drew, like Cam, you know, like no blade of grass is off limits, even 70 yards down the field. Uh, Drew Brees, he ain't going to throw a 70, but, man, he might hit you up here and there. A receiver get out of his break right now. Ball is on him. Yeah. You know the timing is going to be impeccable. Like, what are your thoughts on maybe the difference between a guy who can put the ball in an area of a guy as opposed to a guy who is just super accurate? Yeah, well, it goes down to what type of – you go based on, like, what type of offense that they're running, you know. Um, if you know, like, okay, they're a West Coast offense, then it's like, okay, high percentage passes. So you're going to see more man. You're going to see more two man. You're going to see more robber. You're going to see more of that because it's, it's a lot of quick game, you know, um, versus, you know, guys who like to do like offense that are more intermediate, you know, that like those type of things where you're like, okay, you, you look at formation at the end of the day though, is I do, I look at formations, offense, and it is it's still situational football, but you do know, like, all right, if I come out this break, that, that ball is going to, is going to be there, you know? Um, so that was, again, I go back to, I know I said like 30 times, but with Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he got nasty with the back shoulder. Um, he got nasty with the, the free play. He got nasty with scramble drill, um, you know, Sure, push me to my left. I'm still going to throw a nasty football, um, like down the field, like he's shown several times. Uh, I think both times versus the Cowboys, one in Green Bay and one in Dallas. Um, so you got stuff like that versus, let's say, someone like Kirk, who's everything like you got to be at the spot with someone like Kirk Cousins. You know, if you if you got a 12 yard dig, you run that bitch at 12. Don't be don't don't go to 13. Don't go to 10. Be there. And if you're there, that ball is going to be exactly where you need it to be. Um, because when when Kirk finds his guys and when Kirk's on and everybody's in unison, it's it's a masterpiece, you know. Um, but when you have guys like Aaron and Drew who literally it, it don't matter, it's little it's seven on seven. Like, let's go. And they just find whoever. That's what makes it tough, because now, you know, you got a full day of work. It ain't about the scheme. Like, it's like, OK. Sure. If I drop, if I'm a hook player and I, I got to go, you know, 10 to 12 yards, one yard outside the hash. Let's say we're in cover three. I'm the hook player. Make sure I get there. And even if I'm there, if there's a guy outside of me and there's a guy over here uh, on the inside, I'm reading the eyes. But I know that if he's looking this way, I got to work that way. But sometimes even if he's still there, quarterbacks like Aaron and Drew and Brady will get that ball there before you do, you know? So, but truly to, to really answer this question, the hardest quarterbacks to play against are the ones that know your defense better than you. Those are the ones that are a beast. And there's probably two. And one of them was Tom Brady. And, and I, when I think of Brady and I, when I say that sentence about knowing the scheme better, I go back to the uh, AFC championship game where the Patriots played Jacksonville and it was third and 15. And, Honestly, if Jacksonville got off the field, I think they had a chance to, to win that game. So Amendola had a, I think it was Amendola, he had a like a 16-yard dig route, in route. He from the I think he was from the slot. Now he's outside running, 15-yard in route. And I think Miles Jack was the hook player. 
I feel like Sean McVay, I'm gonna have a photograph memory and shit. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So Miles Jack was remember all this. Like, I know. Miles Jack was the hook player, and you he knows like I'm reading Tom Brady's eyes. So if Tom is like looking and he's looking down the barrel straight at Amendola, like I'm in the window. So mm-hmm. what he what he did, Brady. He jumped outside as he jumped outside as if he's going to throw it to the flat and he moved the linebacker out just enough. So he, he pumped this way, like a full pump, and then turned back around immediately, boom, and hit Amendola yeah. because he knew the hook player is supposed to take away that window. So he moved them and then immediately snapped back, boom, and hit Amendola. And it was a first down. It was like, damn, like chains moving and they keep running the clock out. So Tom, he knew where. Everybody was, and he knew his matchups. We play them, and we play them in New England. And I remember they're in the red zone, and I'm playing corner. I see Gronk trot out to me, and in this way, by the way, that's a big ass dude, bro. Like in pads, oh my gosh, that dude is a transformer. So he trots out to me, and I already knew. I was like. Tom's going to throw a fade. Like, there's there's no reason he should not throw a fade. Like, if you on paper, I would throw a fade, okay? And so I remember I look over to my linebacker, it was Mason Foster. I was like, I say, yo, Mace, I'm playing the fade. So if they run a slant, you can jump it. It's all yours. I'm playing the fade. So then I walk up and I press on purpose. As soon as I pressed, Tom and – Gronk look at each other and they whatever what they did I'm like oh I think I got him now and so ran the snap I bailed out of there and sure enough Brady threw a fade and I went to go get it and Gronk pushed me out of bounds but I was like I was like I I knew they were coming this way like I just knew it you know so he knows he knows where everybody is is to my point you know so it was it was fun playing against those guys like that so I, I had just uh, made a comment on on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And I said, uh, you know, Brady, it was something along the lines of Brady is better than than Aaron Rodgers. He was always better, whatever. In, in your opinion, better quarterback, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? I will always pick. Um, that's hard. <laughs> I I think it was diff- more difficult to game plan for Aaron Rodgers. Gotcha. I think it's more difficult to game plan for Aaron Rodgers just based on what he can do with the football. Now, you, you, you that I like that answer because that takes out the you know the team part of it, right? Like the winning right. and so when you think of Tom Brady as seven championships that, that can come from behind games. I've always called him a killer. You know, you think of all that, but like yours is just when you have to play against the guy. This guy is just a little harder but, to but get. also too Tom Brady's best attribute, which makes him the goal, is his is his mental endurance. Like that that puts him literally above everyone is his mental endurance. Because we all know, bro, like fourth quarter, you know, two minutes to go, Tom gets the ball. Oh shit! <laughs> like we, everybody know, everybody and their mama knows. Like it's that's tough. And then, like it's hard, it's hard to win a game in the NFL. 
let alone go to six Super Bowls and win six or well, win six Super Bowls. They went to more than that. Win six Super Bowls. Win seven. Well, I'm saying in New England. I'm starting New England. Yeah. And then retire. You you've done everything. But he's like, but I know, but Peyton won with another team. So I'm gonna go to another team and do it again. And <laughs> there was a part, there was a point in that 2020 season when it was after a Wednesday's practice. And Tom Brady goes to the podium and he is, he's fucking livid. He is pissed off. And I'm like, damn, dude, like, he, he's like, they're doing well. And, and he's, he was upset because they had a terrible practice. He was mad. They had a, in like year 35, he's mad as hell because Wednesday's <laughs> practice was not good. And I'm like, that is why. You know, even in the offseason, he's bringing guys around. He's the one that started bringing people and working out with them. Now, everybody's doing that stuff, you know. He's been doing that since, since God knows when, you know. And he was doing it with players that, you know, maybe wouldn't be as effective everywhere else. When you finally got him a Randy Moss, you saw what happened. They, they lit up the scoreboard with stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it was his, his mental endurance, his leadership, his – his way to truly elevate everyone around him, you know, was, was a different beast. And so to who I, I prefer to play against Tom over Aaron, but if I'm going to start like a, a team, I probably would say Brady just based on that, the mental component, because I'll tell you this, like evaluate, I feel like that's where a lot of general managers and um scouts they they miss the boat when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks because they look at the big arm and they're not truly studying like what's in here um because that's the biggest thing you know i i remember um who was it when when cleveland was they were evaluating baker mayfield and people would say whatever they want about baker and i get he's had he's had a different journey than people thought but he has like that thing where he's gonna he's gonna he's so competitive and he's gonna try to find a way and figure it out whatsoever. Say what you want, he's still a starting quarterback in the NFL. And before Cleveland, before he got to Cleveland, like you know, they were doing all I don't think they I think it went 0 17 to 0 16 that year, I believe it was. Um, and he comes in and eventually he got him to like the playoffs. And I will say the downfall of that, I feel like they gave him the keys to the car way too early. Um, because then he started speaking out about people's injuries, started speaking about people's contracts, and then when you start doing that, but his his mental his mental like um, his mental endurance as well. It's not the same as Brady, but in here, that's where everybody goes. They're like, oh, we love this dude. We love this dude, you know, because even when he was at his pro day in Oklahoma, like everyone followed his lead and love and love how he is. So that's the you know you go back to Russ. Nobody can go through that season last year with Russ. You know, a lot of things happen too. It's, it's already documented, but, you know, Russ goes to a new – he goes to a new team. He goes to a new city. He has a new coach. He has new teammates. He has new everything. You know, when you're in Seattle, it's Pete Carroll's culture. Win forever. Always compete. It's on every sign. Always compete. You hit it before you go to any room. Always compete. And, you know, you got a new head coach who's never been a head coach. Um, and he's he's learning how to be a coach. He's learning how to win the locker room. And then the biggest thing for us, too, is he lost his best friend in Trevor Moad. Trevor Moad is a, a 
is super popular mental performance coach. He works with like Russ Von Miller, and he literally helped Russ with everything. And he and he passed away a year ago. And so now Russ is really in the lines then like by himself, by himself trying to figure this shit out. Um, and then eventually he did. And, for, you know, he did get the coach that he was supposed to have in Sean Payton. And people forget Sean Payton actually fixed Drew Brees when Drew Brees was nobody wanted him because of his messed up shoulder. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. he ended up figuring it out with Russ and, you know, they're they're playing competitive football. So um, but Russ was able to have that mental capacity because he's big on that in terms of like, can I can I handle adversity? You know, I want my quarterback to be able to can I handle a stressful situation and still be okay and that's a really hard thing to evaluate so when you watch tape you really look at like tough situations you know when is it hard when is it vulnerable going back to baker you know he walks on the two schools and gets a scholarship he walks on and earns a scholarship <laughs> he walked on and won the heisman like come on man you know it's 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 interesting man so it's because when you, if you get to the certain level like everyone could throw the football man you know Everyone can throw the ball. Otherwise, you. I try to tell people that, like, well, not so much everybody can throw the ball, but uh, I think everyone thinks that when you construct this roster, right, it's just made up of all these guys, and then even like the superstars or or even the stars that we think of are just so much better than everybody. But in all actuality, on the roster, uh, you know, you can have a practice squad cornerback that's down there as good as your CB two, uh, right. but maybe the difference is just you know money. Uh, more opportunity and and things like that. So uh, I like that you said that about throwing the ball, and I think that kind of ties into uh, this question about Brock Purdy. But he says, hey, Will, can you tell us what you see in, in Brock, a guy who, uh, you know, maybe didn't pass the eye test from some people, but clearly the 49ers players uh, love him, and he's been playing well. But when you watch Brock, what are your thoughts on him? My The biggest thing that stands out to me about Brock is his maturity. Um, that's the biggest thing for me. And it goes back to him playing all four years at Iowa State, you know. I think he won the he won the um things the Ed Doherty Award, which is the Heisman for high, Arizona high school football. You know, he's the best player in the whole state when he was in high school. Um, and so it just it just shows that he is just consistent in terms of his maturity. So for him to be in that position, here was the cool thing when Brock Purdy took over last year. The biggest thing that I saw was that the all pros on the team stepped up. They were like, okay, we got a new quarterback. We need to step, we need to raise our shit. We need to like, let's go. And George Kittle was, he was the first one to be vocal about it. Like we need to go. We need to be, we need to be at our best. So this guy can be at his best. And because that happened, because they, because they already have a culture, the hardest, the hard, this was hard. The hardest thing with the team is like when you're a head coach, you have to manage egos, not just on in the football field, well, the players, but other coaches, scouts, everyone else, executives. Like, there's tons of egos in that building. So, how do you create a culture where no matter who, no matter what, we're still playing because we all believe in the same message that's in the building? It starts up top, you know. It starts with with the president, you know. It starts with the GM. It starts with the head coach to create that culture. That's and because you, if you look at 49ers. It's all a bunch of bad dudes that aren't that aren't afraid to punch you in the mouth. 
You know what I'm saying? And if some if if anything goes wrong in that organization in terms of culture wise, that place is going to fall apart. But it's not because they have a good system so that when Bert, when Brock Purdy took over to be the quarterback, everybody truly rallied around him. And I think that gave Brock much more confidence to play like he is now because he's like, all right, now now the playbook's open. You know, now the playbook's open. Now I can do all these things and, and play well, you know. And, and I say that because I think I've been on like one – I think I had one losing season in my career in the NFL. Um, when I was in Jacksonville, we finished 4-12. and 12. But when I was in Green Bay, you know, we won. We had a good coach. We had a lot of playmakers there. When I was in New York, I mean, there were – we couldn't get out of meetings because guys were arguing so much. But we had such a culture where if you got in a line, you probably got your ass beat on that Giants team, like straight up. Like you, you, not for, like you would get knocked out straight up. So, like, fall in line. Like, Coach Coffin had a thing where he had um, – what do you call it? He had, like, a, a leadership committee where he would meet with every week and they would tell him like, he wanted to know like y'all good, what's going on in the building, blah, 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 blah you know? And he's like, now nah, we're good. Cause a lot of things didn't get the coffin cause we handled it in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's how San Fran has their culture, which allows Brock Perry to be there and be confident. It's a hell of a situation to be in. You know, I don't understand why, you know, people want him to, to, I don't know, go through something, whatever it is, it's like, man, like he's, he's playing his tail off, you know, he's right. Like I said, rightfully so in the MVP. And the biggest thing going back is his maturity. Like how can I still be in a situation? And it, first of all, it's a stressful situation to think about it, to be Brock Purdy. And you know, this team is Super Bowl ready. And you're like, I can't fuck it up for these dudes, man. <laughs> like, that's that's hard. That is right. tough. You know what I'm saying? I think the thing that helps him, and he talks about it a lot, but he's so, like, uh, grounded with the Lord. And, and I think that really helps him kind of push through these hard times to where he's like, you know, whatever anybody else says, that's fine. Because, you know, through Christ, like, I know who I am. And, yeah. uh, you know. And I think that he's helps him in this. He's process. close with his parents, you know, he's close there. And, and, and that's a big deal too, you know, is that he's, he's close with them. So I look at our son, everyone's like, Oh, you know, your son talking about my son, our son writer is like, he's such a good kid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's with, well, he's with us every day. You know, he hangs out with us. Um, we try to teach him good things, good value. And, and anytime he goes somewhere, like, man, he's such an ultimate pro his maturity. So, um, yeah, that's the thing I see about Brock. That's what's really impressive. That's why I said it was cool to see, like, all right, he's he's making these, you know, whatever, simple throws, like inside the numbers, inside the hash, the easy throws he can see. Um, but how he's timing them, how he's locating them, where he's throwing it. And now he's throwing, like, the deep out routes, the deep comeback routes. He's pushing the ball on the outside, which is huge. And now also the receivers are like, okay, I can run whatever now. Or even Kyle saying, like, I can call whatever, run wherever, because, you know, I got a guy who can get these guys the football. He doesn't – I feel like Kyle doesn't have to dumb it down. You know, with game managers, I feel like you have to dumb down the offense so that they don't mess it up. Our party is actually making plays, you know. Um, so that's my whole thing. And when he's not making plays, they lose. <laughs> so there's a lot. 
uh, Gamma has a question there. He says, which 49er wide receiver would you least like to line up across from Debo or Ayuk and why? Um, I probably would I pro I probably would rather line up against Debo versus Ayuk. Um because yes, Debo is ultra strong, he's a playmaker, he's physical, but I don't think people realize how athletic Ayuk is. I mean, we can go back to his college stuff. We can go back to his rookie year stuff like that. It, to go against a, a, a long, physical, fast mutant is, is, is difficult. He's, he's built like a 400 meter runner. Like that's just, that's what he looks like. At least I know what Debo is. He going to let me get hands on him. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm have to fight. And I was a bigger defensive back. I'm six one. I was two Oh eight, you know? And so I like, I like to be able to get physical, but against guys like him against IU, I feel like it would be a, a different cover for me. And plus two, I know like Debo, he's not, he's not uh, running many things that are going to stretch me down the field, you know? So right now I know, I'm I my but I like that. I need to say Debo. Cause at least with Debo, you know, I'm going to likely, if we're talking about man coverage, I'm going to be in position to make a play. I just now got just make the play. Yeah. 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 You got to make the play. You got to make the tackle. Like, that's the you tough part. Make the tackle. With a yeah. guy like Brad Nayuk, who I think he does a really good job with, you know, route manipulation, like setting his routes up, you know, understanding leverage, turning guys around. I saw a lot of that at Arizona State in this film because there were a lot of people like, oh, man, he's coming out a little raw with his route running. I'm like, Rolling is route running. Like, what film are y'all watching? I'm watching him right. work guys' blind spots, turn them around, make them uh speed turn. Uh, you know, he's getting guys at the line of scrimmage, he understands pace with his route running. I'm like, nah, it's it's all there. Guys twitched up. You know, he had young Jaden Daniels playing quarterback, and they didn't have a good offensive line. I think that led to more of his I don't even want to say ups and downs because he was like a 1200 yard receiver, but right. I think he wasn't as well known because junior college transfer uh, from a JUCO in California. Right. Uh, played two years. The first year was all in the kill Harry. Second year is him, but it's like, me. I got this young, like, freshman quarterback and that bad, bad O-line. He still put up numbers, but he kind of burst onto the scene late. And I think that was more the issue. And still went first round. <laughs> still went first right. round. That ain't no slouch. But yeah, uh, I think I, um... – Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, I think the, the people that are kind of like, they have to try to figure out, well, why is he going so late? Oh, it got to be a little raw with his route running. I'm like, I ain't seen no issues with his route running. Yeah, guys, like, that's fucking hard, man. Like, that's why, that's why you see me, like, when I when I talk football, whether I'm on TV or, or social media, I give so much grace because it is not easy. You know, one thing one thing you'll never see me do is like, man, this guy's this guy's terrible. This guy sucks. This guy can't do this because I I understand like what they're thinking. Like I always give grace because like it is it is challenging because you don't one you don't know what's asked of them. One you know the capabilities and plus two guys are always learning. You know we're in a game we're in a game now this day and age where we want you to get out there now and produce. Where back then like you had to wait, you had to wait. You know you sat behind an OG. And you had to wait. And eventually, if you were good enough, then, yeah, they put you out there. But now guys need to be ready now. So, um, I mean, when I – this is, like – this is an interesting comparison. But when I think of, like, somebody, like, that was athletic and who could run, uh, when I was in Jacksonville, um, you know, before he got in trouble, I had, to, I had to go against Justin Blackman a lot. And he was one of those dudes. He was one of those dudes. 
that was just absolutely like athletic, man. And if he was, he was super strong. He was only like six one, um, and and just can can do everything, you know. Just so that's I see the athleticism when it comes to that. But me, I'd rather go against Debo. I feel like people don't realize just how good Justin Blackman was, and it's unfortunate he ended up being out of the league for the reasons he did, but. Man, that was a talented dude coming out of Oklahoma State. He was damn near a clone of Des Bryant. Then he got to the league, and he did well, but you, it was just kind of hit and miss because of the off the field. Yeah, he was, he was, he was battling. He was battling some, some, you know, some demons. And he said he's such a good dude, man. And and um, I know it was cool because like I heard his, I heard it about him. And so when I got there, we had two black men on the team. So it was, it was fun. It was cool. He was, he was such a good dude. He just dealt with some stuff, which is unfortunate. All right, well, I'm not going to take up any more of your time, man. I appreciate no, you listen, like, you're good. I told my wife, I'm like, man, y'all take him to practice. I'm I'm going I'm to hook up, you know, and uh, give my dog some time and, and, and let's do this. Because we, we always we always uh, text here and there, like, when we got questions. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, to chat with you on this thing finally. Yeah, so a lot of good questions in the chat. Appreciate everybody for tuning in right now. Appreciate it. Will, again, 12-year NFL veteran. Uh, defensive back, man. You see all the. I got a lot in here, as you know. I got a lot in here, bro. I... <laughs> well, no, no, no. This won't be that. As a matter of fact, I have a channel. I'm going to be using you because I have a channel I've created. I just have not posted anything to it yet. But it's going to be a, uh, or it is. It's called Crocker's Corner, but it's a wide receiver defensive back page only. And I just want to post like just clips, like just plays and kind of break it down. Like, what did this DB do well? Like, what did he not? What did the receiver do did well? You you know, the prospects. Huh? Did you already create the page yet? Yeah, I haven't created and everything. I just have never posted anything to it. Okay. So I was going to say, you can take over mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I have it, but um, I haven't posted anything to it yet. So uh, I'm excited. And that's something where I would love to get, like, I want to interview, uh, you know, past players, current players, like wide receivers, defensive backs, because I still feel like, especially DB, it's still the most like misunderstood position. And I don't think like we can't even put out enough information on, on what it's like uh, to play the position, how difficult it is. And I feel like everybody hates DBs. And, and I just well, can tell by how. Here's, here's a tough thing with DBs, man, is it's like uh, there aren't many good DB coaches especially at the the younger level, the, the grassroots level. Um, I feel like too many of these coaches are, and obviously we'll say this another, another time, too many coaches are just finding a best athlete and they're like, man, just press bail. Like just, just go be an athlete. And actually I'm a victim of that. When I went to BC, I had a coach my, my freshman year who, you know, he was on me about being a student and he left. And then the my next three years, I kind of I kind of got away with whatever I wanted. I mean, I was I was I was a cover two corner picking off backside posts. You know, I was, I was, I was out there a while, bro. I was out there, but very few coaches um, like really understand the intricacy. So like, I used to do a lot of you know pre draft training with my defensive with defensive backs. And when I get them, I know they're looking to do like all these cool drills and all these circuits, these footwork things that look dope on the gram. I'm like, look, you can YouTube all that shit, bro. Like, honestly, you know, like I want to I want to teach you like like the game, 
And a, a couple of these guys I got, like, number one, I had a dude who didn't even know the route tree. He did not even know the route tree. And so day one, I taught him what the route tree is. And what, here's what's crazy. He goes to the combine. He's walking in the hallway. Coach grabs him. Yo, let me see the route tree. He called me immediately. He was like, yo, you're not going to believe what happened. Yo, this coach wanted me to drum, drum the route tree. Yeah, my brother, like, I know. Like, I know. Or or little things like this. Um, and I want to do, do a fun cornerback video. You know that, that trend is going around like, you know, we're from California. We do this. Or we're from so-and-so. We do this. Yeah, I think I saw with the marriage thing. Like, we're married. We do. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I know yeah, so I'm going to do all cornerbacks because I get a lot of corners. And I was like this, too, where it's like, Look, I'm a cornerback. I don't know the defense, but I know what I got. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hit so um Desmond Bishop. Did you play with Desmond Bishop? Yeah, I played Des, yeah, yeah. All right, so he he's my defensive coordinator here at Edison. So he's the D coordinator, I'm the D B coach. That and boy, I hit he, Des. Reads about, he reads about six books a week, bro. That boy be reading. Yeah, no, nah, Des hella cool, hella funny. He's big big time in the boxing. All right. So um Des, I hit Des, I text him. And I'm sad, Des, but can you teach me defense? Like, and everybody thinks, oh, you played, you know, you were at the high levels. You, you're supposed to just know all these things. And I'm like, dude, back in guys, especially corner, like, especially if you're on the outside, you know your job. Right. But uh, right. you, I think you playing safety, I think you playing in the nickel, you know, that stuff really helped you. You know, it's like, because well, you I got to touch. Corner and I, I literally had, I, the less I knew, the better I played at corner. You got to, you got to be on it. But. Yeah. But that's to my that's to my point is like these guys only knew their job. So when they were getting on the board, I got a board right here. They were getting on the board and I'm like, yo, I'm like, draw, give me the defense. They go like this. Right. I'm like, all right, what do you got? They're like, I got this. And that's that's all I did. <laughs> I, get, I get this. That's it. I'm like, what about him? What about him? I said, can I get some D linemen? Can I get some linebackers? I'm like, man, go get your playbook. So I literally, some of these guys, I had to teach them their own defense, like from scratch, because I'm like, I'm telling you, these guys want smart players. They're going to interview you. They want you to go through. So I literally teach them their defense, and then I have them teach it to me and present it to me so they so they have, like, the language. Because if if you get in there, especially if you're not going to be a top pick, if you're milled around or even undrafted, and if you go in there and you show, like, I don't know, I'm a senior and I don't know our entire defense or, or whatever it is. I'm a starter. And I don't know my defense. It's crazy. And then I also teach them like uh schemes. I teach them situational football. Like I teach them ways to, I teach them how to survive in the NFL. Not so much like going there to be the best shape. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you do all these drills. You ain't gonna do none of these drills when you get to the league. You know what I'm saying? Let me teach you like real football. And, and I'm still, I'm still a service to these guys. Like when they, you know, what do you see this week or whatever? Because I'm telling you, it's all it's all situational football. And then someone like me, I add value because I remember going into the draft, you know, I played three years of cornerback. I started my senior year at receiver, all ACC receiver, by the way, in case y'all didn't know. Uh, <laughs> and and I, and I played nickel that year, my senior year. I played both ways in senior year, and I returned punt and kicks. So my issue was I was I played a lot of things, but I, I didn't master a position. And in order to go like first round, second round, you need to master your position. Um, you can't be a jack of all trades. However, I think that's why I was surprised for me to see uh, uh, Jackson 
uh, drafted so high out of USC, cause, uh, Dory Jackson, because he yeah. was kind of that jack of all trades. I'm like, ah, he ain't gonna go that high, but they still took. Yeah, him. but he also ran well, and he was pretty. He was pretty elite in terms of like who he was in college, you know. Because um, sometimes production is like okay, but we see for certain flashes. I wasn't a blazer. I may run a four for one, but I wasn't like gash, you know. Um, so I remember I, I finished as a receiver. Senior Bowl, I went as a defensive back. Combine, I went as a receiver at the combine, <clears throat> and then I remember I met with the Falcons, and the Falcons were like, "Yeah, man, like we might get you, we might see you as an undrafted receiver. So if you're there, we might grab you." And I was like, "I said, like, bro, I'm getting drafted. I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> you know, what I'm so <laughs> after that, I told the whole building, I was like, "I'm playing DB. If y'all think I'm a free agent receiver, I was like, man, I ain't doing that." You know, and so, so my point is, when I got to Green Bay. You know, I learned corner, I learned nickel, and then um, I ended up learning. I pretty much, because I was behind Charles Woodson, Al Harris, I was not seeing the field. So I had to make sure I knew everything in case I had to go in somewhere. And then um, eventually, the, the reason why I was able to play another, after six years, another six years, is because <clears throat> I took up like four roster spots because I can start at corner. I could start at nickel. I could start at dime. I could start at safety. I could start at punt returner. And I was a specialist, you know? And so I was able to, I, I knew, cause I knew what everyone had to do. And I remember it was Kevin Mathis who was saying like, I, he said, I think he told D'Angelo Hall, I said, you, he said, I run a four five D Hall. I heard you run a four one. He goes, but I guarantee you I'll be at that spot before you because I know what's coming, you know? Like I said, I know it's coming. And once I learned that part, Christian Shaw was a big part. The, uh, the DB coach for Legion of Boom, he was a big part of my development because he taught me truly situational football. And then being in the room with Sherman, who was rich. Sherman is, is top two smartest football players I ever played with in my entire life. Um, like just Who's number one, Charles Wilson? Uh, probably Charles, yeah. <clears throat> Charles Wood because – Charles would, he would make a game plan inside the game plan. Because <clears throat> my biggest thing was like, okay, I was there. I wasn't making a lot of plays um, because I was just trying to use my athletic ability. Guess what? Everyone in the NFL is fucking athletic too, dog. Like, <laughs> like it's, a, it's a league full of mutants. So how do you win? You win with scheme. You win with um, studying. So I remember... I'm not making any plays. Charles Woodson's getting picks every week. He's not even practicing. He's getting picks in every game. So I remember I go back to the facility. I'm like, yo, I need to learn how to watch some tape. So I go, I turn on the film. Actually, I go in the room and somebody already left the projector on. So I go in there and I turn the lights on and Charles is in there. And then he's like, yo, he's like, come sit down. I'll show you some stuff. And I'm like, bet. Like, let me sit down and chill. And so his whole, Charles's whole deal was, he would find three plays that showed up consistently, like every game. Formation, if the formation down and distance situation all lined up, he's jumping it. He's I'm, he's I'm playing the tendencies, like because all all coordinators are creatures of habit. I'm playing the tendencies, so I'm not just gonna go out there and and just play hardcore honors football the whole time. Like, you know, there was one time we were playing the Cardinals and he was on Larry Fitzgerald with his hands on his hips. And then Kurt Warner stood up and hit him right in the chest. <laughs> we were like, yo, this is crazy. You know, we, we play 
And this is when I saw him really do it. So when he was done teaching me, I turned the lights back on and we had a 360 grease board and he had a game plan inside the game plan. Like he literally, so he, he ran our defense, but he had his own game plan inside our, that was within our defense. So we, I remember we go down to Tampa Bay, I'm playing corner, he's nickel. I think Tremont might be the other corner or Al. And we're in cover two. And so Al, he said, yo, I mean, it's no, excuse me, Charles, he was like, yo, Will, he was like, lock your man, take him deep. I was like, bro, it's cover two. Like, <laughs> like, what you mean? He was like, just do what I say. I'm like, all right, you know, and then Charles looks at Nick Collins. He's like, Nick, you push to the post. And Nick and Charles were already like in, in cahoots. So Nick was like, bet. So and Nick like, had a great year. Nick was unbelievable. He was best safety to play with. And so I'm like, all right, man. Like, if we go down, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So play snap, boom. I I do my whole little press thing and uh, take the take the receiver deep. And all of a sudden, I hear I hear all this yelling. This motherfucker got high stepping in the end zone. Was it <laughs> because? Because pre-snap, this is how old I am. Pre-snap, Brian Greasy was the quarterback, right? So pre-snap, we we showed cover too, and so if I give any ground, you know, if they run an out route, you know, they're gonna throw it. So I gave I left, and so the out route's wide open. Charles is playing deep, and he immediately jumps the out route, picks it off for pick six. But wow. he but he knew that was coming. That's my point. He knew it was coming. And he rearranged the, our side of the secondary, our side of the field, so he can make a play. Like, it was, dog, it was – but that's how I learned, like, man, it's 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 coordinators, creatures of habits. Because after the first 15, like, they're going to get to what they do. And then you look at the players, you look at the situations, all situational football, bro. I'm telling you, it's that's how I was able to finally make plays. I only got, like, four picks in my career. That's because I played press man a lot. But the second half of my career, I played a lot of zone. I was able to see what's going on. I was able to study, able to figure out, and I ended up making more plays in my last like four years than I did the first eight years of my career. You know, so I'll leave you with that. All right, we got uh, Doug. Doug unfunny in the chat says Brian Greasy now 49ers quarterback coach. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a secret OG, bro. I'm about to be forty. <laughs> By right, the way, Doug, got... my favorite cartoon. Is it really? I love Doug. That's one of them, at least. Uh, my guy Mark says, Croc, I live in Stockton. Let me know if you want some Filipino food. Hell yeah, yeah man. You got some what you My wife came in out of nowhere, like, oh, I love some Filipino food. Man, hey, you. There's a fire spot in Oakland I went to to get some Filipino food. I forget where it was. I got some in crazy Oakland? when I was there. All right, here we go. Here we go. We got another one here. Uh, uh, Kyle says Christmas gift for whoever gets on DK's head. Do you, do you have any stories on uh, getting into an opponent's head? I, I know me personally. I actually was kind of like a little dirty. Like I, I just watched uh, my, my wife said shit talker. Like, you know, I was talking all, all day on the field and I just watched uh, Fred Warner push DK from behind. Like DK tackled him. Uh, he got he up, Fred up, got up from behind, bro. That was not a point. To, to me, it was like a it was just like a like it's so Fred Warner because he he's an agitator. Like I just see little things he does. I see him. I saw him one time tackle somebody, and then he like army crawl slid Bro, all over the guy. 
Yeah, oh yeah, no, nah, Fred Warner's like, uh, like he he's on he's on one uh, during the game. Do you I, have I any? Uh, I'm a big fan of Fred Warner, but that was OD. <laughs> do you have any stories on trying to get in guys' heads, or do you were you just like I'm just so focused on my job? Yeah, I no, even... I, I wasn't really. Um, I thought it was fun when guys like talk shit. You know, like it was because I grew up, man, where like you got made fun of all the time. Like everybody just cracked jokes on everybody. So that's why for me, like on social media, I laugh all the time. I make fun of so many things. People make fun of me. Like it's it's cool. Same thing in the locker room. We all snap on each other. So on the field, it was you know it was always competitive, and so I didn't really uh, trip. But it's funny. But there were two, not from me, but there were two kind of like like I'll okay I'll do things like this. Like as a punt returner, I talk trash a little bit. You know, like I'll. Before we line up, I'm like, yo, let just let him go. Don't even block him. Like, I got him. You know, like little things like that. Um, oh, this is my wife here. <laughs> um, or go ahead. You can answer that. You can answer that. I, I can get no, to another no, question. My son's, they, she took our son to practice. But um, yeah, not, not I didn't really say much, honestly. I just laughed a lot though. Like I would I laughed a lot in games, you know, sometimes even at my own teammates. Uh, I remember we were, I was in New York. We played the Packers and um, Devin Thomas, remember him, receiver? Yeah. Uh, so we're running down a kick. We're running a kickoff. And he was like, man, you see that dude, 22? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm about to lay his ass out. And I was like, 22? This is about a kickoff. He's like, yeah. I was like, I'll let you know right now. That's my boy, P. Lee. I'm like, he's super strong. He made it look like it, but he's he's Jamaican. I said, my dog is strong. He's like, I don't even care. I was like, all right. And, and DT was yoked up you know hey. and um so we run down and kickoff and i see my dog get suplex and in mid in mid stride i am weak bro <laughs> <laughs> i am weak i end up making the tackle but i was weak i didn't say much but there were two types of trash talks that like really threw me off first of all fish joe was the worst in terms of trash talking. Joe would talk trash but it's not really trash talking. It's almost Andrew Luckish. You know, like he'll he'll hit me for like a 10-yard comeback first down. Like, hey man, how's your dad doing, man? He's good. How's he doing, man? He's good. How's your wife? Everybody cool? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so you finger, was that the PIP? Like, did they put screws in it? You know, I'm like, all right, now get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, no way. like he's asking how you're doing. Like almost like the like like disarming you when he's talking. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but but I tell you what, you know who lit me up and it caught me off guard because he is a cool-ass dude? So we're playing the Niners in London when I'm in Jacksonville. We get bombarded, right? And I'm traveling. And I remember, um, I'll tell you right now, the receiver ran out and up, and I strapped it out and up. But they call personal – they call a legal, illegal contact because he ran into me. Yeah. And he was like – yeah, trash ass whole ass nigga, bitch ass mobile. You can't do this whole ass nigga. Bro, it's Anquan. Oh, so Yo. my guy, Lavelle, so Lavelle Hawkins. Do you know who? Do you know who Lavelle is? Yeah, yeah, so my guy, yeah. Cal played uh, with Tennessee Titans for some years. Yeah. Uh, so Hawk and I, I coached with him at Edison too. We're all over there at Edison. But uh, Hawk was telling me about his time with the 49ers and and he sees and Anquan Bolin is there, and he's like Crocky. Trash, like he j could not run routes, stinky, like just 
did not like it just did not look good. Like, however, you think a receiver is supposed to look, he's like, he ain't look like none of that. But somehow, some way in the games, he would just get open enough and he caught everything. Bro, but it was just was funny in the so you, you you telling me like he ran that out and up, and it's just like that don't even sound like it's really in his wheelhouse, but just no, dude, it, was was like he was, it was like he was wearing Timberland. That's why I was like, bro, I'm like, oh, I'm all over it. But he was, he was, but it was towards the end of his career too. He, you know, he put on weight, whatever. He was kind of over it. But I remember he destroyed me like verbally, and I'm like, yo, aren't you one player man in the air? Like, what are you doing, bro? You know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, you a good guy. What happened? You know, but he's from Florida. You know, saying those Florida boys, yeah. they, know, they know how to pop shit, man. So he, that one caught me off guard. But other than that, man, like. None of that, no trash talking, like ever bothers me. And plus, too, like that's why it was funny to play against like OBJ and AB, um, because they both were just silent workers. You know, obviously the AB of recent is is different, but if you didn't say no OBJ, he didn't say none of you. You didn't say none of AB, he didn't say none of you. Like they were just work, work, work. And once you start talking, then for sure. But I'm like, if it's gonna be a clean, quiet game, I'm cool with that. You know, but I just I kind of go off based on the opponent because I'm like talking and getting ahead like this is going to take me off what I'm trying to do. You know what I'm saying? Did you play Josh more, Norman? I played Josh Norman, yeah. Was he a talker on the field? Because he definitely was after. We hear the press conferences. He talked about taking uh, uh, Des Bryant to the back cave and all that. Yeah, I mean, Josh, he talked a lot like pre and post, but he when I was there as a safety – he was at corner. He didn't really, he didn't really say much. Um, it, <laughs> it was fun. We were, <laughs> there was one game where right? we were playing the Bengals in London. And I remember he's matching up by AJ Green. And, um, you know, and I, I knew everything they were doing, you know. So there were a couple of times where I'm like, okay, they probably going to want two double outs, sticks, whatever you want to call them. And, um, I was like, we're in cover three. And I'm like, Josh, I'm like, go jump that shit. He goes, you sure? I'm like, yeah, they're running out. Like, I, I got you. Like, I'll come over here. And Kendall Fuller was a young guy killing it. Breland was over there. And I think uh, Dante Whitner was the uh, other safety. So I'm like, no, y'all good. And so I knew they were going to this side. So sure enough, Josh jumps it, boom, almost gets a pick. And we're in cover three. Um, so I like, I kind of did a Charles thing. I rearranged the whole left side. And then the next is another real quick, play. Real quick, you real quick. That's why I always tell people because they be asking me about certain plays and schemes and stuff like that. And I try not to really give my opinion on how a guy is supposed to cover something because you never know what's being discussed in meetings. Right. You don't know what's, what's changed. Yeah. Or something like, like you just saying like, man, we had cover. Shoot, you told me before, Woodson, it was like, it's cover too, but he's telling you not lock with that, go with that. Yeah. And he picks it off. And then you're, now you're telling me, hey, it's cover three, but you're telling him jump it out and you got over yeah. top. So that's why I don't really like to like get into yeah, like- You never this. know what they were saying. Yeah, because he was playing, he did a lot of press bail. So he was already pressed up. I'm like, okay, be ready. If the dude comes out, I'll just play, we'll play like trap. I'll just go to one. And if, let's play the percentages. And you almost picked it off. So then Cole plays later. AJ comes out by himself and he looks at me and I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, I ain't got nothing for you this time. <laughs> I, said, no. I said, I go, 
I go, 75. He was like, huh? I said, 75 mil. Go strap up. What did you mean? <laughs> I'm going to be over here, dog. Like, <laughs> I, I give you one. This one here, you got to, listen, you got to make that money, player. But, um, That's hella yeah. funny. That's hella yeah, funny. Yeah, I got to rock, bro. They're like, where you at? I got to rock. But um, I appreciate you, dog. All right, man. Thanks for coming on, Will. Yeah, we'll do this again. I got we got a lot we got a lot to talk about. All right, we got to all talk right, about what sure. I'm coaching next year. We got to do that too. Oh yeah, for sure. Coaching, you know, I I needed you know kind of pick your brain on when you were doing the scouting, all that. We're gonna get into all that more, man. But I appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. All right. Shout out to my guy Will Blackman, man. That's what's up. Dropped a lot of great insight. In there for y'all, but you can't get that nowhere else, man. You can't get that fun talk. I'm about to cut up a lot of that stuff there. A lot of that stuff. Still got some questions I didn't get to. We got Gavin right here says, have you seen the new possible changes to tackling uh, the hawk roll? How much degree of difficulty been uh, raised for defensive players to tackle? Do I think it's BS, bro? I mean, we discussed it a little bit, but it's already so hard. Like, and, and they're making it harder. And I get it. The whole drop tackle or drop hip, whatever they call it. I just saw it happen last night when Tyreek Hill got hurt. I understand, but it's really when you go to tackle a guy, especially somebody like Tyreek Hill, whether it's Tyreek Hill or like these really big guys, your main in your head is just get him to the ground. Like however I have to get him to the ground. The people making the rules is like, have you ever had to try to tackle Tyreek Hill in space? Do you know what that's look like? like? I just need to get this guy to the ground. So, uh, they're changing rules. They're making it more difficult. I understand there's injuries, stuff like that, but it's like, right at the end of the day, it's a contact sport. So, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. A, a lot of what they're doing with that stuff, man. A lot of what they're doing with it. Uh, we went much longer than we were expected to go. Uh, Will actually came on. I'm like, hey, man, 30 minutes? He was like, yeah, yeah, 30 minutes is cool. Uh, but obviously, we are at an hour and a half now. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We got Mike in the chat. Mike said, bring Will back every week. Great show. I will. And obviously, he got a lot to talk about. And uh, he doesn't have a podcast. Or he was doing the Wine MVP podcast, but I don't think he's doing it right now. So um, we're going to get, we're gonna have to get Will back on for sure. We're going to have to get Will back on. Uh, Jerome says, that was cool, Croc. You got to do it again soon. And not only with Will, I got to get more guys on. You know what I'm saying? Cause Will, that's the homie. He always going to come on. Um, Darius Butler, I can get Darius Butler on. He's going to have a lot of great stories, a lot of great insight. Uh, but I got to get some I got to get some current guys on. I got to get some former guys on. We're going to see. Come off season, I'll get some guys. I got a player um, I train right now. He's on the Baltimore Ravens. He's on the practice squad, but he's going to come on. And, you know, just, hey, man, what's it like playing with Odell? What's it like playing with Marlon Humphrey? You know, what's it like playing for Coach Harbaugh? You know, get to pick his brain. So we will be having some guests, especially come this offseason. But that's going to do it, man. Uh, appreciate everybody that came in. Hit the like button and subscribe. I'm out. Peace.